Hi, my friend. Have you signed up for the Decoding Obesity Hangout yet? It is a free monthly meetup to discuss struggles with obesity, find accountability partners, and so much more. Now, I know it can be very challenging at times to discuss troubles with weight. I started Decoding Obesity Hangout for this very reason. I wanted to create a safe environment to discuss your struggles. It is a free, safe space to discuss everything obesity. So head on over to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash hangout to sign up. This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hi, friend. I want to remind you to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening so that you can get notified of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. Keeping in line with the theme of this month, that is Women's Health Month, I wanted to discuss an important issue of pregnancy and weight loss. More so because one of the listeners wanted me to discuss this on my podcast. To help us understand this better, I would like to welcome back Dr. Jennifer Rollins. Dr. Rollins, if you remember, did an episode on goal setting with me. She is an OBGYN by training and a founder of Well Woman MD. She helps women suffering from hormonal imbalance live symptom-free by making sustainable changes in their nutrition and lifestyle. Welcome back, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is such a great topic because I think this is a very common thing that's on women's minds, especially because there is a certain amount of weight that women do gain and they do need to gain, actually. During pregnancy, there's a healthy weight gain and there's an unhealthy weight gain. So let's talk about this. What is the ideal weight gain during pregnancy? So it depends on what you're starting out of begin with. So the average woman who's, you know, a normal weight, maybe a little bit overweight, should gain about 25 to 35 pounds on average. If you start out heavier, and so if your BMI is over 30, then you want to aim for a little bit lower, around 8 to 15 pounds. Okay. So why is this weight gain important in pregnancy? So the weight gain actually, a lot of times is related to the way the body changes to support a pregnancy. So if you've ever had a baby, you know that your body, your shape changes in order to support you know, the weight that's going to be on your hips, the weight that's going to be pushing on your lower back. And so it's a lot of times it's just really the body changes that happen. And that's why, you know, women will have a baby and then they suddenly are only five pounds overweight afterwards because it's just the way that their body changed in relation to these hormones that go, you know, straight up in the roof and go much higher and then ultimately end up depositing fat in different locations on their body. So how much is too much weight gain and how little is too little? So weight gain too much. So usually if I see that a patient is gaining, it's really the average of the whole pregnancy you're looking at. You don't want to get too wrapped up in like each visit. Okay, I gained 10 pounds this time and 15 pounds or two pounds. Because there are times in pregnancy, you just don't feel like eating. You just don't feel up to it. You know, especially in the first trimester where you're really just more exhausted and you are interested in food. And so your diet is often a little bit crazy in the first trimester because you're just trying to get through those cravings that you have. So it's the average overall. So I usually am looking at someone's weight gain when they come in for their visit and trying to see, are they sort of overall gaining weight and it's not too excessive? Like if I see someone gained 15 pounds from the last visit, I kind of ask, what's been going on? How, you know, are you feeling like 
a really increased appetite or maybe it's Thanksgiving. And so you're <laughs> tending to eat a little bit more anyway in general. And I really don't talk to patients about weight gain being excessive until they get to 50 pounds or more. And especially if they're still pretty early in their pregnancy, I want to know what is it that's the obstacle here? Is it sometimes you have an overbearing mother who's feeding their pregnant daughter <laughs> all the cheesecake that there is. And so you have to have a little discussion and say, you really don't need that many calories extra to sustain a pregnancy. You really only need about 300 calories per day extra for the baby specifically. And then sort of have a conversation about what is it that's going on that we're starting to gain a little bit too much weight. Certainly, if you get to 100 pounds, I really want to know what's going on in your life. Sometimes there's other issues like someone who's really depressed or anxious, and so they're eating instead of dealing with the feelings that's going on. And so I find that in, those, in that category, it's really about addressing the social situation and what's going on in your life that's making you gain that much weight. I see. So what do you advise to women who come to you with regards to preventing the excess weight gain in pregnancy? So really, it's about a balanced diet. You know, you don't want to do things in pregnancy, you get a lot of cravings and there's things that you don't want to eat, even if they're your very favorite thing in the entire world when you were pregnant, sometimes you get pregnant and you just can't eat them. So you don't want to force yourself into eating stuff that you don't feel up to because probably lead to some nausea and vomiting, which isn't <laughs> worth that. <laughs> but a balanced diet, you know, you should be able to have a good amount of protein, fat, carbohydrates, a good blend, what you would tell your own children, eat a balanced diet. So overall, I try to tell people to try to get a little bit in each of the categories so that they're having an overall balanced meal and balanced diet in general, taking into account whatever cravings you may have that if you're not someone who can eat meat because it just doesn't sound appealing, don't force yourself because it's not going to go well. There are other sources of protein. Certainly, there are plenty of vegetable protein sources that you can substitute instead. So Jennifer, talking about cravings, sometimes women can have cravings for the wrong foods, obviously. So how do you help them manage those cravings, especially because they may lead to excess weight gain? Yeah, so I talk to women about balance. Because, you know, when you're pregnant, you do have cravings, and it's okay to splurge on a donut in the morning. It's okay to have ice cream. You shouldn't deprive yourself those particular things that you crave. But it's about balance, just like when you're not pregnant. It's about trying to know that if I had kind of a day where I ate some fast food and had some donuts for breakfast, I probably need to balance my dinner with a little bit more healthy choices. And so I really try to emphasize to women that you got to give yourself grace. Pregnancy's hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, some days you're exhausted, some days you have stressors, and it's okay to have those days where you don't eat perfect. It's about the overall consistency and the overall balance. And so as long as you're striving, the next meal is the next opportunity to eat healthier, that's important. That's good, yeah. And talk to us about the complications of obesity or the potential complications of obesity in pregnancy itself. What are the detrimental effects of obesity in pregnancy? Yeah, the most important time to have the conversation about being overweight is right is before you conceive, because we can really do some great counseling and talk about how to lose even 10 or 15 pounds can make a big difference for overall getting pregnant, because certainly obesity has higher rates of infertility, but also just in general and decreasing your risk for long-term complications when you're heavier and pregnant. So women who are obese and who are pregnant have a higher chance of a C-section at delivery. Well, first of all, because they also have a higher chance of having diabetes in pregnancy and therefore making bigger babies. They also have a higher chance of having high blood pressure or preeclampsia in pregnancy. And so those sometimes end up leading to preterm deliveries. And certainly diabetes can lead to a larger baby, which makes it more difficult to have a vaginal birth. And so ultimately that risk goes up. On women who are obese, the C-section risk is higher if you have a BMI over 30. So that's why it's really important to have that 
counseling appointment before someone gets pregnant to say, let's try to get you closer to your ideal body weight, and that'll ultimately help decrease your complication risk of not only getting diabetes, but hypertension, and then ultimately leading to a C-section for delivery. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, is it better to lose the weight before you get pregnant? So kind of delay the pregnancy a little bit, if you can, because that might be a healthier pregnancy, or is it okay to go ahead and have the pregnancy and then kind of intervene at that point in time? The best time is to do it beforehand because it'll not only establish healthy habits for the pregnancy, which people do better from a weight gain standpoint, but also just, you know, losing 20 pounds can make a big difference on you ultimately ending up gestational diabetic or high blood pressure, especially if you're someone that's already really close to that. So if you're someone who's kind of teetering on the edge of hypertension without being pregnant, then when you get into the third trimester, it typically is not a good combination. So If you're someone who's really close to high blood pressure, then if we can lose 20, 30 pounds beforehand, you're really going to decrease that chance of ending up with high blood pressure. I see. So somebody comes to you who's going through a pregnancy and she has gained excess weight, for example. When is the right time to actually start losing the weight? During pregnancy, do you advise anybody who has gained excess weight to start losing then? Or is it just maintain that weight and then once you're post-pregnancy, then start losing weight? What is the ideal strategy or is there an ideal strategy? We're not real advocates of trying to diet during pregnancy. And you know, you certainly wouldn't want to go on a keto diet and try to lose 30 pounds and get that off. If you are overweight, just making small, simple changes that are a healthier lifestyle, you will lose weight naturally because you're making different choices than you were when you weren't pregnant. And so I often will talk to people about, let's kind of work on our healthy habits that'll be even more enforced once this baby is out and you've delivered. And so those will ultimately oftentimes lead to like 10 pounds or so weight loss while they're pregnant, which is okay. It's not good to do an extreme amount of weight loss because you do need that fat for the baby's making fat. The baby's needs bone development, needs all those nutrients that you're getting. And so you don't want to put them on a strict diet essentially (laughs) and cause any stress on the body by doing something that's extreme, like a keto diet that would be losing a quick amount of weight at a short time. Right. So when would be a good time to start losing the weight actually? before you get pregnant. So when someone comes to me and says, you know, I think I'm gonna have a baby in the next year or so, then I often say, and if they're say 50 pounds overweight, then we talk about maybe for the next six months, you should focus on trying to lose 10 or 15 pounds and establish a little bit better healthy lifestyle and healthy habits. And then ultimately you'll start out 50 pounds lighter when you're trying to get pregnant. And not only will it help boost your fertility, because there's definite connection between obesity and infertility, But ultimately, you're going to have a healthier pregnancy and you're going to feel better because if you're already carrying an extra 50 to 100 pounds, adding another 40 pounds is not very fun on your bones and your joints. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of women who are obese before when they start pregnancy often say, man, this is hard on me. And it's like, well, yeah, you're starting out with a lot of weight on your body and pregnancy is not good for posture. (laughs) (laughs) You have a lot of forward facing weight. So it puts a lot of strain on your hips and your lower back. And if you already have that strain because of your size, It just makes things so much worse. And a lot of times women have terrible joint pain and back pain. And there's not a lot of options you can do in pregnancy besides just symptom relief with, you know, massages and pregnancy belts and stretches. So there's, you're limited on your options for getting comfort too. So it helps to be a little bit lighter to begin with. Yeah, that's true. Now, post-pregnancy comes the phase of breastfeeding, right? Mm -hmm. And that's another very critical phase which women go through. And basically the newborn is getting all the nutrients from the breast milk. So do you recommend people start looking at their diet at that point in time, not just the healthy diet, but in particularly in terms of weight loss? What is the strategy then? Or do they still have to postpone it further beyond that once the baby has been weaned off of the breast milk? 
No, you don't have to wait until you're done breastfeeding to start dieting or start getting a healthier uh, nutrition for sure. You really actually only need 500 calories per day extra to make breast milk. The issue is really nutrients, like you mentioned, because you do lose a lot of calcium, a lot of vitamin D, you're building, you're making this milk that's going to support this baby. And so that's where you have to be careful with your nutrition to make sure you're getting a balanced diet that you're not doing, again, an extreme diet where you're not getting, if you're down to 10 carbs or 20 carbs, you may not be getting the nutrients and the micronutrients you need to support you and a baby. But certainly going on a healthy diet and healthy lifestyle is perfectly fine. And actually, I think it's really good for women's mental energy as well, because, you know, when you have a newborn and you're exhausted, it's kind of nice to focus on something. So focusing on getting out and walking, trying to, you know, make better meals, like it's kind of nice to focus on something else. And so I find it actually is very motivating for women postpartum, because not only do they want to get back in their skinny jeans, but they also (laughs) like to have something else besides somebody who wants them every three hours to eat, (laughs) (laughs) you know, another something to focus on. And so I actually think setting those goals is really, really nice postpartum to say, well, is your goal? Is it your goal to get back in your jeans that you had before you got pregnant? Or is your goal to lose 50 pounds? Or is your goal just to feel better, to wake up and not have a sore body because you're overweight? Like, let's just talk about the overall goals, because not everybody's goal is the same. Right, absolutely. So you wouldn't be recommending anybody go on, especially on a ketogenic diet or anything, right? But what about intermittent fasting or say a low carb diet, which is still going to be a higher amount of carbohydrates per se than a ketogenic diet, which is like very, very low carbohydrates, but it still can be healthy. What about that? Yep. I love those options. So I call it a moderate carb or modified keto diet <laughs> where it's not the below 30, but it or below 20 really, because that's keto, but yeah. it's more like 50 to 80. Or if yeah. you're somebody who's, that's a struggle, maybe 80 to hundred grams of carbs. And there is great data to support intermittent fasting and obesity and how much it really sort of is the catalyst for losing weight. So I love, and I typically tell people about intermittent fasting 16 and eight, not the, you know, 24 hours of fasting and 24 hours eating. I don't like those extremes. I think it's difficult when you have a newborn and all the sleep that you need and just the energy that you need to have that can be a bit difficult to manage, but a 16, eight plan is great. So, you know, fasting for 16 hours and then eating for eight during that eight hour time frame, you'll not only make better choices because you can only eat for so long. So you make better choices in general, but I think that works okay with newborn because you have like blocks of time, if that makes sense. So oftentimes when you have a baby that you're trying to feed every couple hours, you can almost fit it in those blocks and go, well, I'm usually up at 3 a.m. So I don't need to eat. I'll wait till the next day at noon. You know, you can kind of work that out a little bit better schedule. So it's basically more about having a more variety of nutrient dense foods and making those choices rather than going after specific extreme interventions because ketogenic to some extent, is kind of an extreme intervention, which is required sometimes in obesity. And I look at it as a therapeutic diet, not necessarily just a lifestyle change. It has to be a lifestyle at some point in time, because whatever intervention you take, it has to sustain for it to be effective for the long run. But I think it is still, the way I look at it, it's still that it is a therapeutic intervention that somebody makes. Mm -hmm. I like keto too, in my overall practice and with clients for health coaching, I use it. So it's not a knock against keto in any way. I just think in this particular scenario, if you make it that very strict, it's hard on a keto diet to get a balanced nutrients because you have to limit your carbs so much that, yeah, you can get vegetables, but you then you have to be very selective about each vegetable to say, okay, well, am I getting selenium and zinc in my leafy vegetables? And that's often really hard to do. It takes some energy and some effort to do that. So I just mean from a standpoint of just balancing motherhood, 
<laughs> you know, balancing what you can do. You're not going right. to be able to drag a newborn to the grocery store and go, okay, it looks like I'm getting my green leafy vegetables here and I'm getting my protein for my legumes here. Like it's just not going to happen. You're just busy. So trying to be able to be realistic, but also helpful is kind of where I think that's where I really try to talk to patients after they deliver and say, what do you want to achieve? What is our goal? You know, and how much time do you think that's reasonable for you? For some women, they're happy with over the next year getting back to where they were. And some women want to be back in their jeans in six weeks. Right. It's also kind of what your realistic goal is as well. Right. And so what are the realistic goals post-pregnancy? What should women expect? Like how much of the weight usually does a woman end up retaining after the pregnancy is over? And it might not be the same for everybody, but is there a general ballpark number to this? Well, and it depends on what number baby it is, because in general, people do tend to kind of get back to close within five, 10 pounds of their original weight before they had their first child. But as it goes on, you have more and more children, then you start out five or 10 pounds heavier. And so ultimately, it ends up being a little bit more. And most of the time, that's because, you know, trying to eat healthy with three children who eat Cheez-Its can sometimes be a little difficult to do (laughs) and to manage from that standpoint. So and, you know, I talk a lot postpartum about body image because you don't look the same. So your size six jeans may not fit, not because your weight is different, but because your body's different. And so sometimes we also have to talk about what it means that, you know, I mean, there are those women that just pop back up and they look like skinnier than they did before (laughs) they have a baby and everybody's like, how is this possible? But most women look a little different after they have a baby and their their shape changes. And so sometimes it's not only just about what are the weight, the actual number, but how we feel about what we look like. I think that's very important. Yeah, I think the body image part is so important and so critical to understand because a lot of times we attach so much of importance to this body image in this day and age. And so it's important to understand that the body is going through these changes and there is going to be a change in the actual shape of the body that's going to occur. So that is very important to understand. It's not just about the number on the scale, about the weight itself. It's the fact that the body itself is changing in its shape. And so that's very critical to understand. So how does breastfeeding help with weight loss? I know there's a lot of data to support this. And then there's some data which says it's controversial. So what's your take on this? So the textbook answer is essentially you only need 500 calories per day. But the reality is a lot of women lose weight postpartum when they're breastfeeding for their hormone levels drop faster. And so because they want to be at a very low you know, not cycling, you want to be kind of low hormone level. So if you're breastfeeding, it's suppressing your ovulation is suppressing you cycling. So you stay on this low level of estrogen, progesterone anyway. And so by doing that, you're not having these ups and downs and sort of retention of water, retention of fat. So that can help as well. So not only you need 500 calories for the baby, but then also your hormones are sort of suppressing you from that standpoint. And ultimately, I think there is a component of just time. I mean, if you've, I mean, I have breastfed four kids. You don't want to eat because you'd rather sleep than eat. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes you just go, I think I ate today. I'm not totally sure. I don't know. I fed the kid three times, but I don't even know if I ate anything today because you're just tired, especially that first 12 weeks. So there's got to be a component, I think, and that may be where you see the variation, how some women just drop off 20 pounds right away and some of them are five pounds is there's going to be some of that sort of you know, getting back to your normal life. And certainly that if you're breastfeeding, you're needed every three hours. So there's not right. a lot of time to eat. Well, so what about the calories that are actually being removed in the breast milk and going to the baby? Does that have a component to play or does that have a role to play in the weight loss itself? Yeah. So yeah, if they if you need 500 calories per day to make the milk, there are some women who just make 
a little bit. And there are other women who can make enough for like three families. You know, they're burning calories like crazy because they're actually producing at a much higher rate as well. So their metabolism is very different. So yeah, that for sure, that's 500 calories that you essentially burn without having to go to the gym. I mean, that's, you know, you're getting that, those calories for sure. I just meant the difference in sort of the, the average, most people get back to where they are between five or 10 pounds, somewhere around there. And that's probably from that sort of standard textbook answer of 500 calories, you know, that you're burning for breastfeeding, but there are certainly more women who lose even more than what they started out with because they're tired. They're not eating. They, yeah, they kind of have other components that are sort of allowing them to do that. These are the other aspects of their social life that are actually going into all of this. And causing this to happen. Yeah. So what advice do you give to your patients with regards to postpartum weight loss? Well, I usually let them have the conversation with me and say, you know what, I want to get back to where I was. How can I do that? I'm really frustrated with kind of being 20 pounds overweight because not everybody's ready for that conversation. Some people may not have that conversation with you until six months out. And some people are at their postpartum visit four weeks later, like, let's do this. I'm ready to get back into my genes. So I wait till patients approach me about what they're wanting, what are the goals that they're wanting to attain. And then we talk about, you know, if you're overweight and you started pregnancy overweight, what were your obstacles to losing weight to begin with? Was it that you eat at 10 o'clock at night every night? Was it that you love the vending machine at work? Like, what are the obstacles? Because a lot of times there's usually something that sort of is the barrier to why they gained weight to begin with. Maybe they have a lot of stress and don't know how to deal with stress. So we talk about what were the obstacles prior to pregnancy, because those probably haven't gone away with pregnancy. And sometimes they're worse because there's so much stress and so much extra demands on you. So trying to address those particular things when we talk about realistic weight loss, I think are important for me as a physician to try to tease out that information so that we can then say, well, you know, let's realistically set a goal for you. Because if it's you have a terrible, stressful job, that's not going to change for the next five years. (laughs) then we need to figure out, is it realistic for you to lose 50 pounds in a month? Probably not. So let's talk about what are the struggles and then what would you like to the goal to be? Right. And I think it's very important because you have to have the right goal to get to that goal. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation, Jennifer. Thank you so much for doing this. So how can women find you? So I have a website called Well Woman MD. I'm also on all the social media platforms. So I have YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook. And then I have my own podcast called Ignite Your Power Podcast. So we talk about not only health issues, because it's not just about holistic health options, but I also just interview badass females and we can talk about life and motherhood and all the wonderful (laughs) things that come with it and just get a chance to connect women teaching women, really. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, Jennifer, I'll put the links for all your social media and your podcast into my show notes so my listeners can find you. My friend, I want to extend a personal invitation to you to join me in my next Decoding Obesity Hangout. This is a free meetup where you can discuss your challenges with your weight loss journey, find accountability partners and network with other people in different stages of their journey. So head on over to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash hangout and get signed up for our next Decoding Obesity Hangout. This is 100% free and you get to hang out with others in the same boat. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining me and sharing your thoughts on this. And this information was really great that you provided today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'll see you all next time. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. 
don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.